Welcome to another edition of the Deacon's Roundtable. I'm Deacon Greg Webster from St. Raphael the Archangel Parish in Old Mill Creek, Illinois, and I'm joined with by Deacon Dave Egan from the Village of Victory Lakes in Lindenhurst, Illinois, and our Vicar of Deacons for the Archdiocese of Chicago, Deacon Richard Hudzik. Uh, we're missing our, our fourth musketeer today, Deacon Mike Alandi, who is uh, dealing with a family issue, and we pray and uh, know that we're thinking about him and his family, and we hope all that goes well. Uh, it's October. This might not run in October, but it's going to be October. It's October here. It's <laughs> and October, of course, is, is Respect Life Month, and that's going to be our our theme for the day. But first, we're going to begin with a prayer. Would any of you guys like to lead us in prayer? In the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, amen. Thank you, God, for being with us today, giving us this absolutely gorgeous fall day. We ask you to help us as we go about our journey of seeing you and everyone, showing the respect that they deserve as being a child of God, and help us to be aware of the times that we fall short of that so that we can improve. We ask this through Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. Father, Amen. Son, Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. And we're also celebrating uh, one of the seven new saints we have in the church is Paul VI, the pope that brought back the diaconate. So we're, we're, we're doing that. And uh, probably more importantly, he's known for his uh, his uh, writing in the Humanae Vitae, which is uh, quite important for this month of uh, Respect Life. So, Deacon Richard, we're going to be talking about Respect Life. What is Respect Life? It's such a cliche now these days. What does it mean? It is not a cliche, and I resent you <laughs> suggesting that it is. All right-thinking people know that it is not a cliche. But uh, respect life, uh, as hopefully we'll develop further this, this, uh, during this conversation, is to uh, couch the respect and reverence that we have for life given to us by God in, in all of its dimensions. Um, this is, it's... Uh, it's it, it's more than uh, the abortion question, although the abortion question squarely, profoundly, deeply uh, presents the issue of, of life and death. But the respect life is to, um, is to draw our attention to really a way of living so that um, uh, life is, is respected, uh, human life is respected in all of, its, all of its dimensions. It looks to not merely uh, resistance to, to abortion, but moreover to uh, the project of, of human flourishing. And it's our understanding that our Lord desires that for us. Uh, and respect life is, is a, is a two-word slogan to, to, to begin to, to think about that, that proposition. So Deacon Dave, I think though, when we talk about respect life, 90% of the people in, in our, who hear it instantly think of abortion, and as, as uh, Deacon Richard said, it's more than abortion. So what are some of the other aspects of pro-life or respect life issues are covered under the umbrella of respect life? Well, I think um, one of the other ones that goes, that a lot of people, when they first hear respect life and they're starting to come up as an issue across the world is the uh, end-of-life issues and euthanasia. Um, 
you're hearing more and more about that in both this country as well as internationally. How many of our prayers of the faithful are respect for human life from conception to, to natural, natural death? death. We, we say that so often. Consumption or conception? No, conception. Would conception. <laughs> that would be conception. Could be yeah. consumption in America, I guess. Yeah. But yeah. So I mean, that's another big issue that um, is crowding. Uh, you know the the airwaves and uh, bandwagon of uh, different groups. There's also just the opportunities of respecting life is for the giving people the opportunity so they can flourish and having it not be related to financial ability. Um, so, for example, the best students should, you know, get to, the, you know, the schools, uh, the issue that people dealt with a long time ago, but still it's probably really relevant is redlining and houses and opportunities equal opportunities to go there. I mean, it's also, those are is sort of like the sort of the two extremes of it, but there's a whole bunch of uh, other issues of dealing with uh, violence. Um, youth, are they given a voice at the table? Um, conscious rights as far as uh, not having to violate those to be part of society. And and respecting all the different aspects of life. If you actually go to the U.S., the United States Conference of Catholic Bishops, they actually have a list of about 20 different uh, issues that they say are very strongly pro-life issues. And besides abortion, there's assisted suicide, capital punishment, human cloning, conscious rights, contraception, disabilities, embryo-fetal research, healthcare, end-of-life issues. IVF reproductive technology. There's, I mean, the list goes on and on about uh, the issues that we have in society where people are really not respecting life and the gift that God gave us. But we're, we're, we're talking about life, and one of the issues you just brought up is human cloning. Isn't that bringing life? Isn't that a good thing? Well, I uh, think that... Uh, I can't imagine the world having a clone of me. I've already endured enough pain. Is um, it cloning, not clowning? <laughs> <laughs> but no, I mean it's um, so the church very much takes this viewpoint, and rightly so, that life is a gift from God, and so that conception should take place within a matrimonial relationship, uh, and that child would be a gift from God. We are not to play God in the lab and, uh, you know, put the genes together to uh, you know, cause some, uh, have a superhuman being. Well, even, even from your biology perspective as a professional scientific biologist, I mean, are we really in control that we can actually do human cloning and predict the outcome? Full human cloning, no. Even no. if you could predict the outcome? Uh, it don't make it right. Now, well, I mean, one of the things you can say that's going on right now, there's this one technique called CRISPR, which you can go in and say if there is a mutation in a gene that's causing a disease, like one of the classic ones is sickle cell anemia. You can replace that gene and have it then go into the, uh, the person via virus and have that modified gene go in there and cure the disease, you know, and I think 
that would be morally i think that's where most people would draw the line saying okay now you you've cured a disease there's no rights to go on further than that you're not destroying life right i mean if you think of the fuhrer from a long time ago with dolly the sheep and what was done with that who died early yes who died early i think you know just from a listening to the to the media out there is there's so much nonsense in our true capabilities with cloning so that to see it in this list almost gives it some credibility and certainly scientists can play in the lab as we all do but we don't really have the capabilities of human cloning and really the process that it would take to get those capabilities are extremely extremely dangerous and and could have significant repercussions not only on the embryonic life that does not survive but what do you do with the three-armed person or something like that that potentially could be made for that and those are the issues that that the church is saying wait a second guys <laughs> we this is not right i i would say it, again i think it goes even before what what you raised the, the practicalities or the the unknowns that you're rashly jumping into even if you could perfectly control the outcome you're still instrumentalizing you're you're turning a human being into a a product that uh, that human beings have put together and i think that's that is uh, is is fully as objectionable as as just rolling the dice with some uh, lab experiment that you can't control the outcome of. Because there may be a day some sometime when you can control the outcome, and then that doesn't legitimate that effort to to clone, even if you know how to do it and you know what the outcome is going to be. So I'd, I'd say that even before the practicalities, you know, take a look at um, the factory uh, of of making human beings. And that's 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 objectionable. And I would very much agree with that. Yeah. Uh, the other thing I want to just jump in here is that we've got this this list of you know twenty some uh, items that are described as pro life issues. Clearly, what nobody here at the table is saying is that they they are each uh, they stand in parity with one another. That um, the the moral wrong of of an abortion is a moral wrong. And it doesn't really advance the the conversation much to say, well, that's that's the same as environmental issues. They're just there's apples and oranges, but they're both they're all grounded in in the issue of, of respect for yeah, life. Yeah. So I mean, um, very much, very much agree with you. Um, and part of some of the ones on this list, if you are actively taking a human life, I would put that at a higher priority than I would some of the other issues which are life-giving. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, 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 agree. I agree with you because you agree with me. But, <laughs> uh, but the, the notion, there's, there's a liberation here of this, this gift that our Lord gives us of, of life and flourishing and abundance that, can be, that need to be pursued in different ways different arenas um, but they all are resting upon this goodness that, that God offers to us um, so that, that, that's why we're yeah, I would say they actually all have the same moral principle but it's just taking it to different degrees given the circumstances and situation mm-hmm. agreed Agreed. All right, we've got that fixed. Greg, what else are we going to talk about? <laughs> well, th- those are the easy ones, actually, when it's black and white. It's, it's what the, you know, when we have couples that are stri- striving to have a child. Mm-hmm. 
why is the church getting in the way of me having a baby? Mm-hmm. My, my, you know, I want to have a baby. And, and uh, that's a very emotional and hurtful and pragmatic time, for a lack of better phrases, that uh, uh, that's where some of these issues, I don't say get cloudy, but get, get personal. Absolutely. And, and uh, uh, but looking at, the, at this list that we haven't gone, gone through, I think we need to really take a step back and say, wait, all these things, what are th- they're not different. They all have something in common, and that's respecting the life that God has created. Why do we respect that life? Because God created, gave us that dignity. The government doesn't give us our dignity. Mom and Dad didn't give us dignity. We don't have di- self-proclaim our dignity. God gave us that dignity, and nothing anyone can do takes that away for from us and that's where where i think we have to remember for all these issues is the dignity of life and and when we talk about some of these different issues like cloning there is no dignity in a petri dish and there there is no dignity of of embryos that are discarded because it's not the one you picked Mm -hmm. and and uh I think if we take take a step back from the emotional aspects, which is a hard part to do, is saying, look, guys, what, what means are we doing to achieve this end? But the problem is, I think, in, in 2018, we need to recognize that a lot of people say, well, the birth of the baby is the, is the, the outcome that justifies doing some of these fertile, fertile techniques. And, and we're saying, no, that's not true. And, and, and the way you just phrased that, I think, uh, points out a, uh, a problematic, and that is that, that the end, to, to reduce what you said to a few words, the, the argument is uh, the end justifies the means. Um, and that's, 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 not, uh, that's not what we believe. Um, but it's, it's certainly tempting. It's certainly understandable. It certainly has, uh, you know, our heart goes out to those who, now, I have three children, and I have eight grandchildren, and they're, they're, you know, one is more precious than the other. Um, I have my favorites, but I won't reveal them. <laughs> Just kidding. Uh, but you're right. You're, you're face-to-face with, with somebody's heartache, and if we can't articulate uh, a response to that beyond, you know, because I said so, uh, you, you've, you've, you've not done much to further human flourishing. Um, you've you've imposed your will on somebody else when uh, you haven't been able to to say why uh, you're, you're resisting the the IVF. And I, I think it's also important that the church does not discard all reproductive medical efforts and things that are going on. That the the, the church is against those which have a dis- discard the dignity of all the life that's present. It's not just a mother's life; it's the embryonic life or the the baby's life that's going through there. Right. right. Well, to add something that you said that as far as the uh, reproductive technology, the church does allow a whole bunch of things within that process to help improve the odds. I mean, you know, the certain drugs that uh, can help people ovulate, uh, you know, and other ones to sort of increase sperm counts. There's a whole bunch of things, and those are very much allowed. Absolutely. It's not like it's a a wall saying you cannot do anything. And it's, we don't want to talk about it. You know, yeah. it's, just, it's not that way. Yeah, no, it's just there's quite a few things that, that you're just saying, no, these are very good things that, you know, to do. With a natural family planning 
people um, often promote statistics that show that using that type of a, a technology or technique actually has been very successful for overcoming infant fertility. For, Doing uh, it the opposite way. Yeah. Yeah. So, for, because there's only certain times in a woman's cycle where she's fertile, and if you know that, that's the time that uh, is most likely to conceive, and and, uh, uh, and knowing that and, and understanding that certainly gives you a much better statistical odds of, of getting that done. And uh, uh, I have to go back to formation when we had uh, Father Bernard Kennedy, who in our uh, moral theology class always likened this to the. Uh, Farmers know this. <laughs> That's not something I think I could carry on in the conversation between a mother and stuff. But it, it you know, if he's, he's actually right. I mean, this is just natural uh, techniques that 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 the human race has has mastered for centuries. And now, in our looking for a quick fix, we're 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 uh, we're missing some of the uh, the traditional ways of of uh, overcoming some of these problems. So we're coming up on our first break, and uh, one of the things that after our break I'd like to uh, bring up as a topic that always raises a few eyebrows when uh, even bringing it up in church is the issue of capital punishment and how that actually fits into pro-life issues. We will, at this point, take a break. We, you are listening to WSFI 88.5 FM on your dial or WSFICatholicRadio.org. And we'll be back after this break. Thank you very much. Hi, this is Antoinette Mensa, Director for the Office for World Mission Ministries with the Archdiocese of Milwaukee. If you're looking to heed the call of Pope Francis and be an intentional missionary, you can consider visiting us at World Mission Ministries. Basically what we do is we provide opportunities to be in relationship with our sister parish in the Dominican Republic, La Sagrada Familia. We provide mission education and travel opportunities. We support parish twinning relationships and we support having a missionary come to your parish through the Missionary Cooperative Plan. We are living our universal mission locally. So just call us at 414-758-2280 and you can learn more information about World Mission Ministries and how we can help you become a global Catholic. Hello, I'm Bill Wennington from the Church of St. Mary's and the Chicago Bulls. I, I believe Catholic Radio is important for all of us out there listening to help us through days when maybe our faith is being challenged by many different obstacles that are put in our way. And it's a chance to reflect and just think and hear stories from other people that maybe are going through the exact same issues that we are going through and how they have struggled and how they are getting through their problems today. WSFI 88.5 FM Catholic Radio is committed to bringing quality Catholic programs to our local community. We only can do that with your financial support. Take a moment now to donate online 
at wsfiradio.org or mail your tax-deductible donation to WSFI 88.5 FM Catholic Radio, P.O. Box 885, Libertyville, Illinois 60048. That's WSFI 88.5 FM Catholic Radio, P.O. Box 885, Libertyville, Illinois 60048. Donations of any amount are greatly appreciated. break here at WSFI 88.5 on your FM dial. Welcome to the Deacon's Roundtable. I'm here with Deacon Dick Kudzik and Deacon Dave Egan, and we're missing our good friend Deacon Mike Alandi, who is not here today, but we wish him and his family the best. And uh, Deacon Dave, you wanted to, to bring up another perspective on the pro-life. So one of the things I'd like to bring up is capital punishment, because it's a nice uh, hot-button issue that has been there for a very long time. Um, we were, when we were talking during the break at the table here, I said that one of the things I very much remember when I was in formation, um, we happened to have two police officers in our class. And one of the, uh, on, during part of some of the moral theology aspects, there was uh, the person leading the class said that, um, all right, if you tell me that you're anti-abortion and pro-death penalty, I'm going to eat you up and spit you out. And um, non- Non-violently. <laughs> and uh, those, the two police officers were uh, of that elk, and they uh, had a very difficult time trying to convince themselves as well as the uh, professor in the class that... Uh, there was no other way than their way as far as saying that, well, yes, they, you know, one, you're, you know, s- protecting life by being anti-abortion, but the other person took a life so they don't deserve to live anymore. And the church has generally said for a very long time at this point um, was that society has a right to protect itself and should do so. But there are many ways to protect society without resorting to uh, taking a life. Because at that point, the state uh, in taking a life is no better than the person who committed that crime, that sin, that, that breaking God's trust of life for all. And as... It sort of hits home where sort of marvel that stories in the newspaper where you have certain families that will say that, no, I do not want to have capital punishment for this person that uh, murdered a family member. Um, And we are in awe when we see that. It seems to be so different of of going against the eye for eye, a tooth for tooth type approach and a lot of people have a very difficult time with that how can someone who did such a heinous act have redemption and it's just 
so when I generally hear the comment of uh, that, you know, capital punishment doesn't matter, I think that that's actually a relatively big statement uh, for society of how we deal with that issue. And do we really respect life in all of its stages and means? I think taking a look at a uh, little bit about how the the catechism itself uh, evolved uh, a, a bit over the past several decades, how uh, Pope John Paul, St. Pope John Paul, whose feast day is uh, next October 22, I think mm-hmm. it is, um, modified the, the catechism to, to note that um, a uh, capital punishment is inadmissible uh, in a situation where the society has the ability to defend itself otherwise. So they, the, the vengeance notion for capital punishment, I think, has been off the table for a considerable period of time. But the notion of society protecting itself, Pope John Paul would say, um, it's the capital punishment is not a tool in the arsenal uh, in a Western society or in a modern society that can, can lock somebody down. Uh, and so there was this... Uh, if you will, wiggle room that if you were in some part of the world that, that did not have the resources to lock up um, a crazed killer, if that's what we're talking about, then then to protect itself, yes, capital punishment would, would be admissible. But then most recently, within past couple months, couple uh, Pope Francis uh, removed that uh, qualification and, and articulates a, a blanket statement that, that no, in it... Uh, and the word used is inadmissible, that capital punishment is inadmissible, um, just across the board. Uh, so that's, I think that's the position we find ourselves in now in, the, in terms of the magisterial teaching. So was this a change, what Francis did? Well, I, uh, certainly the words changed. Um, I th- you, could, you could make the case, I suppose, either way. And like a good lawyer, I, let, me, let me do it. Is that... Um, not that I'm a good lawyer, but you know what I'm saying. <laughs> you know what I'm saying. Is that if, if, if Pope Francis is saying, well, the conditions of a society being unable to defend itself no longer obtain in the 21st century, then I'm just simply fulfilling what has already been decided by, by Pope John Paul. Um, to the extent uh, those conditions don't exist, and there are societies that find themselves unable to defend themselves, then that does constitute a change, I would, I would suspect, from, uh, from what Pope Francis did over uh, what preexisted uh, under Pope John Paul. You know, it, with the capital punishment thing, one of the things that I always took heart in, I guess, is that capital punishment is one is cheaper than, I'm sorry, uh, to lock someone up is cheaper than to actually do the, go through the execution process with, you know, all you lawyers. Mm-hmm. And uh, the other aspect is... Well, what if you when you're wrong? You're wrong. It's, how do you it's, how do you yeah. bring that that you person don't, back? Don't. But I also have to say that as a father of three daughters, you know, I look at at if if someone were to hurt them, I'd want to make sure that it can never happen again to somebody else's daughter. I mean, certainly I would feel the rage and want to retaliate, but you know that I can see is wrong. Um, that wouldn't stop me, but I can see is wrong. The uh, but you know in in our society these guys are let out again. And the, when, and now we got the cor- courts that are saying, well, you know, these guys got to have cable TV. These guys got to have life. It is, you know. And you know what? I don't want the murder of my child having having uh, 
having a nice life for the rest of his life for her for for t- depriving me of the her god-given right and dignity so so how, when does this become academic and when does it become real world well i think it becomes real world when uh you you go uh and and sign up to uh, endorse the the prohibition on capital punishment and see it as a, a an awful call to conversion of of myself uh, of of walking down a road that that I don't want to take because you're right you know vengeance is sweet um, we, we we may want that uh, we may we may fear the uh, the political system not locking people up um, but I think this is a, this is a this is a challenge. This prohibition on capital punishment is a challenge that, that frankly, is something that uh, uh, we need to grow into. Um, I need to grow into. Would well, it be, go ahead, Dave. Well, one of the things that something that you just said, but also you said before about the whether there was a change with Francis from previous popes, and I would argue the side of it as saying that the norm was always there. The question is our interpretation of the norm and how we put it into perspective. And one of the uh, side examples of that was, say, say, slavery. And if you look at slavery throughout history, um, at one point it was very accepted. And then over time, you know, uh, over more than a thousand years, that changed on the perspective of what it really means as far as slavery and the we acceptance. Have be, we have to be careful that that's there's the slavery where people are brought over ships and taken out of their home, and there's the slavery which people willfully went into an economic type of contract. I mean, we're obviously talking about the ones where people people's rights were taken from well, them. Well, yes, and I think history has is more of the... Uh, rights were taken away from them but that at, at one point in society that was very acceptable but the norm was always that you should not control a person like that there should be free association free will but it just took us that long to truly appreciate that and where we're at now so the end around the the norm uh maybe the analogy here is with capital punishment but the end around that norm of every human being is entitled to, to freedom and dignity and respect is define away or limit your definition of the human being. I mean, we have these, these debates of uh, uh, the uh, shocking uh, to our eyes, but uh, the debates as to whether the slave is indeed fully human. Um, and because he's not, so the argument would go, well, then, then the slavery is not quite so bad. That's the same argument with the child in the womb. Is, is that a human or not at this point? The same type of art, people sure. make the same art. But I have another uh, thing for capital punishment. It, would it be wrong to say that the church is asking us to do something that Jesus did himself? I mean, that if Jesus can forgive the people who put him on a cross, which was capital punishment, is is it any... Is it the same thing that we're asking ourselves to do the same thing? We're asking us as followers of Christ and the teaching of Christ, aren't we being told, look what Jesus did, we are to follow his way? Or is that a wrong perspective? No, I, that's, that's what I was Scrooge alluding himself. to before. You know, there's, this, there's this line from, uh, uh, from uh, Brothers Karamazov, uh, 
Dostoevsky's novel, one of the characters in there says that love is a harsh and dreadful thing. Um, that, and taking that road of, of forgiveness, of, of nonviolence against the, the murderer, that's a harsh and dreadful thing that, that, uh, that we're asked to do. But I, I agree. I think, we're, I think we, are, we are called to that. And who wants to do that? You know, not me. But yeah. Well, there's also one of the other things of redemption as well. Mm-hmm. That um, you know, there was one act, but God's grace is available to redeem yourself. And so, who are we to deny God the ability to do that, yeah. or the opportunity for someone to accept that? And I, and I think at bottom, we we know that. You know, Dave, you mentioned earlier about. Uh, we we stand in awe of the family that uh, forgives the murderer. I mean, we think of the uh, the the murders a number of years ago, a dozen years ago, in the Amish community, where the Amish ministered to the family of the murderer um, and forgave the murderer. And we are just awestruck, uh, befuddled, um, but yet we're we're challenged and, and called forth to do the same sort of thing ourselves. How about St. Uh, Maria Goretti, whose murderer was at her canonization? Right, right. I mean, S- that's sitting just with, with mom or brothers or some yeah. family, you know, just amazing. Yeah. I, I think we need to spend time reflecting on that aspect. And, and you know, we want healing for the victims or the families that are going through there. And is, is capital punishment a healing no. aspect of it so so i think we can we can say that 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 we that vengeance is not a healing no and it just it maybe this is uh, off the wall I, I sometimes am often in a in a church that is uh rent now with with controversy and with scandal and distrust of uh, of bishops and uh hierarchy Vickers of the diaconate. Vickers of the diaconate. When we take these bold steps, such as standing uh, in resistance to capital punishment, when we make this this pursuit of forgiveness a sign of who we are, that's when we're at our best. That's when people can recognize the church for the uh, the institution that it's that it's called to be uh, something a, you know a beacon on the hill, if you will. Um, this is the sort of uh, sort of position, sort of stance that I think gives courage to people. Um, it calls us farther and deeper than we're naturally inclined to want to go. Um, I, th- I think that that's true with most of the social justice issues. I, th- you, I think you hit one of the nails on the head that um, so much for your words, show me your actions. Yeah. And because that's where your heart is truly at. And I think that's what we're all called to do is by our actions. You know, it's nice to agree with these intellectually. Right. But our actions are how we're going to be measured. I think we're called to actually take time to actually reflect on these. And I don't, you know, we're we're taking and breaking apart, you know, respect life issues. How often do we do, you know, even in our own lives, how often do we do that? But 
unless we do break these apart and have the conversation, how do you have a conform an informed conscience? We talk about conscience rights. Well, conscience is not opinions. <laughs> it's 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 actually working through and understanding the issues for doing that. And I think we we get wrapped up in the emotions, we get wrapped up in the media, we get wrapped up in what we hear, but we don't sit back and say, "Whoa, you know, what did Jesus say about this? You know, as he was on the cross and and about and was murdered. What what what? Did it, let's get back from the emotions and say, where where is the respect for life? Where is the the aspect of it? And it's so important that we do that as we're going into a voting season. For for that, you know, the church isn't going to tell us to vote for any particular candidate. Thank God. But at the same time, John Paul says, you know, if you have a candidate that's not respecting life. How can you follow that candidate wherever they're going to go? And that's, uh, it's not just abortion. It's all these issues that have to be incorporated into our viewpoint in the election period. And that's what we need to sit back and reflect and take some time. And that's when democracy works. I agree. But I think one of the things that uh, Richard said earlier is, too, if you're going to be going that route, that... That doesn't mean every single respect life issue is of the same equality. You know, you, by conscience, you have to decide, you know, what you're called to do under, you know, in those circumstances. And that's true, Dave. That's why I'm going to give you a list of all the people that you should vote for so that you don't have to worry about these particular issues. So if you just follow, follow what Greg says, we'll be better off. Really? Wow. (laughs) Uh, I'm afraid. I'm afraid of that too. So, um, but that's you know, no, we shouldn't be listening to what Greg says or anyone else says. We should be reflecting on these in ourselves because when we talk about the Imago Day, yes, God has given us dignity, but do we live a life of a dignified person? We'll talk about this as we get back. We're entering into our our uh, third and last break or second and last break here on WSFI 88.5 on your FM dial. You're listening to the Deacons Roundtable, and we'll be right back. This is Wes Riccio from the Holy Family Catholic Bookstore. If you have a child, grandchild, or godchild being baptized, receiving their first Holy Communion, or being confirmed, remember that Holy Family has the area's largest selection of gifts, accessories, and supplies to make their special day more memorable. For baptism, we have cradle medals, baby Bibles, wall crosses, and nightlights. We have beautiful baptismal gowns and accessories, as well as invitations and cards. If you have a First Holy Communion in your family, we have a wide variety of mass books and gift sets, rosaries and medals. We have exquisite veils for the girls and ties for the boys, along with all of the necessary party supplies. Our suggestions for new confirmants include personal-sized Bibles, prayer books, and other spiritual readings that can follow them through their lifetime. And don't forget the godparents and sponsors. We have gifts and cards for them as well. The Holy Family Catholic Bookstore is at 9249 Old Green Bay Road, Pleasant Prairie, Wisconsin. More information is available on Facebook. 
Want an example of a false sense of security? How about relying on the life insurance you get through work to pay for all of your final expenses? Do you have plans to retire someday? Or do you plan on working for that company for the rest of your life? The fact is, you may lose your life insurance when you leave a company. I'm Matt Tomlinson from Catholic Financial Life, and I invite you to share your hopes and dreams with me. To discuss your options for protecting your family, call me at 847-548-MATT. That's 847-548-6288. Products and services not available in all states. We are back on the Deacon's Roundtable on WSFI FM 88.5 until we go national. And uh, I'm here with Deacon Dekudzik and with... My uh, agent will be on his, uh, his work on the deal. <laughs> we'll double your pay. And we're here with Deacon Dave Egan from the Village of Victory Lakes. And, you know, Dave, you're, you're at a, a senior community, and uh, we all have to worry about life issues as we drive home, but there are certainly present in the Victory Lakes type of situation as assisted living and, and a nursing home type of situation. How does that play into your ministry? Great question. <laughs> I, I'm trying to, I was sort of, I'm sort of shocked at that sort of uh, issue. Um, are, you, are you offended? No, not yet. Okay. Um, I'm working on it. <laughs> I don't think that that has really uh, I've not really seen that more of an issue and it's more at least in that community and actually my, in the community that my mother's in uh, which is a similar type situation um, is a very different approach to to death and respecting life as you have it and one of the things that, you know, something that you would not put up with when, you know, you're 20, 30, 40, sure. 50, but you will put up with when you're, you know, 70, 80, 90. And there's sort of, in general, a looking at life as a gift that comes each day. So, so, I mean, if I don't know if that's answering the question. That well, certainly. Well, I, when I think of Victory Lakes, of course, we, we both know my mother was up there. Um, Thomas Earnhardt, a fa very famous um, bioethicist, talked about the, the autonomy as the right to be left alone. And, and I, I certainly know that in my own, own mother's life. Um, and and the, the nurses at Victory Lakes were great about making sure my mother had autonomy in making decisions. Although... There's a point where autonomy stops, and, and, and that's what one of the aspects of what we're talking about, respect life. It's not just what I want. It, there's, it, life is more to that. Your, your, your life, can, your, what you want cannot infringe on the dignity of another life, because that life has, is equal in the eyes of God. Autonomy can also be delusional. Certainly. And I think of, you know... You, we think of our grandmothers who, who could not do enough for us. And stepping into the, the issue of, of euthanasia is that a person such as you know, my grandmother, our grandmothers, uh, our mothers, who faced with the prospect of checking out, 
of assisted suicide, of, of cooperating with their own demise in the name of autonomy is, I think, can be an illusory autonomy because that notion of, of generosity and giving, they will falsely pursue by getting out of the way. I, I don't want to be a burden to the children. I don't want to hurt. I don't want to spend all their money. And so their whole lives have been one of, of self-donation and they're prepared in the name of autonomy perhaps, but or a false sense of, of, of charity. They will remove themselves from the scene. Um, and all you have to do is suggest it and give them that option and they will they'll take it and it's a sad thing I think well I'd like to draw one just a point so that it's not misunderstood you're talking about actively taking a life via euthanasia versus allowing the dying process to continue no I I just want yeah no clearly clearly yeah yeah no I we're against mere biologism, as the, uh, the, the Illinois bishops uh, mentioned in one of their letters a number of years ago. And I think why this is so important is because when there's just autonomy that, that we worry, worry about, or, you know, where, where, do we, where do we draw the line? We, we have, what about children with disabilities? We have the capability now scientifically to diagnose in the womb, a likelihood of a disability, um, uh, Down syndrome and things like that. And just this week in the state of Indiana, they have a law saying you can't do an abortion for to eliminate a child with Down syndrome. And there's people currently challenging that law. I don't know the particulars of all the case, but that's ultimately where the lack of respect goes, is what happens, who protects the, the voiceless, who protects the people that aren't blind, you know, blonde hair, blue-eyed chemistry majors, <laughs> and <laughs> and 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 who has the right to infringe upon their dignity, which certainly, if you're taking their life, you're infringing upon their dignity, and and we're beginning to see these issues play out in our society. You can say if you're going to to uh, attack someone with Down syndrome, maybe you should attack someone who is I want a male child instead of a female child. I want a, 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 a child that could grow up to be a lawyer versus a child that's going to grow up to, you know, be a chemistry get, get, major. get my score on the ACT, yes. <laughs> and, and, you know, we think about, oh, that's not going to happen. Reality is, in 2018, that's beginning to happen. And, and I think that's why we need to have these conversations and understanding that, no, we're, we're attacking, we're, we're we're trying to defend the defendless. We're, 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 we're all for autonomy. The church is for autonomy. The church is for conscious rights. But there are but, limits. But there's autonomy to make the decision. But is it a rightly formed conscience that you have? And as Richard said, you know, doing, or both of you actually said, doing the homework to get to that stage. It's not going to be the 30-second soundbite from the news. It's taking the issue seriously, doing... Uh, all the readings, the understanding, the history of it, and then reflecting on it of what is that saying to you and listening, stopping and listening to what God's trying to tell you at the same time before you come to that evaluative knowledge. And so, I mean, as far as the issue with the, uh, you know, Down syndrome that I have not heard, but, you know, you just 
I would just throw that under the issues of abortion where it shouldn't take place in the first place. And I think if you ask most of the families that have a child with Down syndrome, there are challenges to it. But inevitably, I have one thing that I have heard from absolutely every single family that's had a special needs child like that is that one of the greatest gifts that that child brought them was they taught them what love was truly was. Yeah, but you're projecting that on me. I don't want the added expense of that handicapped child. I don't want to lose... I don't want it to take away from the freedoms that my other children have, and I have to spend all this focusing on one child. I mean, what so about that? So, what's aspect? the freedom of, uh, you know, you having a heart attack and dying and your family's left without you? I mean, that's just an event that could take yeah. place. And so, you know... You know, I would actually say that that is a gift that God gave you, and now how are you going to use that gift? You may not see it as a gift at the moment. But is is that the argument the church is using, or is it? No, is I'm not saying that's the my argument. Is that that person has the right to survive whether you want them there or not? Oh, well, it's a gift from God, yeah. and you have to accept that gift. And I think that's the church's uh, approach. And the church can also help with supporting. You know giving the emotional support and other aspects, which it does in a number of family situations. But for you to actually say that, oh, it's okay to abort someone because they're not perfect in utero, without question is wrong. Well, you know, St. Thomas Aquinas said that even in my, if my informed conscience is formed improperly, that by the risk of excommunication, I should still follow that conscience. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. there's an asterisk that goes. I was waiting for the lawyer on yeah, that. Yeah, no, <laughs> of the ethicist, there's an asterisk that should go there. Two two, two things I want to just uh, toss out: the notion of autonomy. Um, yes, it's real. Yes, it's uh, part of it's a it's a dimension of of human dignity. But it's also, I think, a rather slender reed on which to to build an ethic. Um, we think of, say, in, in the instance of, of sexual ethics, you know, the, the, the buzz word today is, is, is to, if, if it's consensual and safe, our young people are told, then, then it's okay. And that's, uh, that's autonomy gone run amok. Uh, so autonomy all by itself, eh, it's, it ain't nothing. I think it gets to the, you end up being relative. If, if I want to do it, it's okay. Yeah, right, right. And it, but this also ties into this notion of conscience, in that conscience, in my understanding, is not my solitary pursuit, uh, sitting on top of a mountain of self-determination, self-appropriation of an understanding of the universe. The conscience, rightly formed, requires a community. We are social animals. We are, you know, the social being. Uh, we are the political animal. So we need each other. Um, in order to, to rightly form this conscience so that we can see, for instance, the value of, of the, the love freely given by a child with, with Down syndrome. Um, that's a nuance of, of conscience that I would never get all by myself. So, um, and with that, in that community, I would uh, add an addendum to it that the historical community as well. Oh, yeah. I yeah. mean, it just, it's not just with the 
current day community is, but it's a historical community and writings and wisdom. Absolutely. Yeah. John Henry Newman had this notion about the, uh, the, the, the deceased have a, have a place at the table as we decide what to do. Um, you know, absolutely. Is that it's not, it's not the latest, best, coolest thinking that uh, that informed this this conversation. We we do need to go from from whence we've come. Yeah. Well, isn't it also that the choice to take your life, we don't believe is an autonomous choice because our naturally programmed to survive mm-hmm. um, I just had a 15 year old dog that was would battle every day to get up and out of the house and, and battle to survive I think it was a beautiful experience to, to see that will to live um, because I think w- one of the things we talk about yes we want to give autonomy but, but at some point such as suicide y- that's not an autonomous choice and that's why many of the change t- teachings of the historical interpretations of, of suicide has changed throughout throughout the the bury them in the side or the unmowed right. garden versus versus uh, today's aspect but when I was when my mother was at Victory Lakes I I had the challenge where where I thought she was not really in control of her autonomous nature if we for the sins she was making the the staff was saying your mother has the right to make these choices and I wasn't going to go get a lawyer and do all that aspect for it but but I think you know when we think about oh grandma wants to do it it's her choice let grandma do what she wants to do that's not what we're saying autonomy is no you know and, and but i think society is saying that's what what autonomy is as as you were bringing up relativism and things before right again it's a let me grab the buzzword and, and solve my life's problems with autonomy autonomy and you know i'm, I'm done with the analysis it, it's so wrong to to go that route well you know it's interesting you know, when you say i want to make my choice i, I have a a daughter who just graduated from high school and she's on the college and I had to hear how often she was 18 I'm an adult I'm going to make my choices and, and one of the challenges I have is that yes she might be had in her 18th trip around the sun but she doesn't make adult choices and she's not ready to do you not also have the mortgage rule in your house? <laughs> if you ain't paying the mortgage, you got no rights. Yeah, but what, when when I send her to college, you know, she has to. I ha, She has to grant me the rights for 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 seeing report cards and everything else. But they don't. She doesn't have to grant me the right for them school to send the bill to me. But that's you know. Mm, right. but, but still, we live in a society where where we're saying that that we're telling our young people, you know, you are autonomous, you are an adult, you are making these decisions, you're in high school, you, it's like, my God, you know, the science says you don't have a brain that, that's developed to your 25 for women and 65 for guys, probably, or at least my friends and me. Yeah. Don't, they, don't they remember <laughs> how dumb I was when I was 18? I mean, <laughs> well, well, we one of the things, it's an interesting point that you brought up, I mean, this is an absolute complete aside, but as society, we tell these kids to hurry up and grow up. I mean, start making some of these decisions now and you know, and pushing them to be an adult. So when I was 18 a zillion years ago, you know, I had trouble finding my car keys. But isn't but, society uh, telling us, hurry up and make those decisions that we want you to make? So there, there really isn't an autonomous choice for these kids because oh yeah, we're setting them up to be in a, a non-autonomous decision. Oh, yeah, no, I mean, it's... The, I think we're asking them to be autonomous, which I think is actually good, but we're not giving them the 
in whole society the ability to make an autonomous, a well-informed autonomous decision. That's the part that w that everyone is missing out on. Nobody wants to do the effort to actually go in and truly learn all the issues. That's true. And I think at a certain age, give me a break. You can have certain. Yes, I poke you with a needle; it hurts, but. But you're not going to appreciate a mortgage at age 18 or 16 or those. I mean, there are certain things in life that, that certainly you can comment on, but you don't have the life experience to make informed decisions for doing that. But, but we are now in an environment where society is saying, look, it's more important for them to make a decision whether informed it's informed or not. And, and that's, that's, I see that as a significant danger. But I think you can loop this back to, uh, to the to the entirety of the respect life issue, which is where we started this uh, an hour ago. And that is we're, we're talking about um, human flourishing. We're talking about the sacredness of life. We want young people to be able to make choices. And so we bit by bit encourage them along the way. And the mistake we make is when we remove the, uh, any, any sort of uh, break on that decision making and expect a fully informed decision from somebody who doesn't have the tools to make it. But yes, it's a process of trial and error sometimes. Um, it's a process of, of full development, just like respect life. It's a process of, of coming to appreciate how interconnected all of these, uh, all of the beauties of the human person are. And I would actually extend it even further that, you know, we were picking on these 18-year-olds. Right. I think that's all of society. Yeah, yeah. It's just yeah. I, you know, you watch... You know, sort of the evening news per se, and if it goes over thirty seconds, it's just like, oh, next. <laughs> right, right, yeah, yeah. The the the, t the Twitter uh, uh, size of uh, attention span. That's you know, one hundred forty-four yeah. characters and one hundred forty. Well, now now it's double. Two, two, has two, it? Yeah, two, yes, I'm two sorry. Five. What were you saying? <laughs> <laughs> Look, a squirrel. <laughs> Well, this has been the Deacon's Roundtable. We are talking about uh, Respect Life, and we ask you to pray upon these issues, not only for yourself and your family, for society as all, well, and think about the, the gift of life that God has given us and, and allow it to flourish wherever it should be, not only in our life and our families, but throughout this world. Deacon Richard, we'd like to end us with a quick prayer. Let us pray, Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Go in peace to love and serve the Lord. Thanks be to God.